Where's all this pent-up demand? Is there going to be pent-up demand after the economy starts opening up, which is already happening, when the vaccination starts getting out there? Where is all this pent-up demand that they said was coming? I don't know. What's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazidi, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazidi program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. So uh, first and foremost, before we hop into the discussion for today, I wanted to go ahead and, do, and uh, just let you guys know that uh, – so – a lot, I can't remember if it was last episode or the episode before that I mentioned that I was going to be doing uh, – I was going to try to do two episodes, just shorter episodes. But really what's been actually happening is I've only been doing one episode. Now, the episodes have been shorter than than usual, but I've been doing one episode and whatnot. Look, I'm really starting to think that it's, it's really going to be probably more like one episode a week. Maybe every now and then I'll be able to pump out two. But for right now, it's just I, I'm trying to get a lot of back to done. I'm trying to accelerate my back testing and I just I just want to knock it out. I just want to get it done, right? So what I'm focusing on right now is reducing, you know, at least reducing one episode and then that way I can get into the back testing stuff and I don't know. I I, I toyed around with if I'm not going to do one episode, maybe I'll do a back a video showing me back testing my trading strategies for you guys because I think a lot of you might actually find some value in that. But I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it would kind of be replacing one set of content with another, and I don't know if I have the time to do that. So right now, expect one episode a week every now and then, maybe expect two episodes a week, and we'll kind of go from there. When I feel like I'm able to get back on it and, and really start hunkering down and going with the, the second episode a week like I was doing before, because I'll be honest, I like doing two episodes a week. I don't particularly like doing all the editing and everything, but I, I like doing the two episodes episodes a week and it one if you guys uh I don't know if you can hear it in the background but there is a storm going on right now so there's a lot of uh thundering and lightning and all that kind of stuff so if you guys hear that just just know that that's what's going on so anyways all right so in the last episode I talked about how there is some evidence that there's another theory out there so we've been talking about the economy a lot lately and we've been talking about how there's a possibility for inflation, very high inflation, probably not hyperinflation, but inflation nonetheless. You know, I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. It might not. And I mentioned in there, well, there, the other and a lot of the, the, the theories surrounding inflation was that people don't ever save money, although they should, but they don't. And that ultimately, the minute the economy opens up, we are going to see you know, massive spending, massive consumer spending, and all this crazy pent-up demand. And that what is the theory, right? That that's a prevailing theory. If you're you know following economics at all, that is a theory that you're hearing, you know, promoted out there. But is that really happen? Is that really happening? Is it really true? I, I, as you guys know, 
okay? I'm only, I'm here trying to show you guys what I'm seeing is happening in the economy. If I'm reading an article that I think you guys need to know, I'm going to I'm going to tell you about it, you know, and whatnot. And I, I get to share my economic analysis with you guys and which is all a lot of fun for me. But I always say this, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody has a crystal ball, okay? So with that stated, in truth, I don't know what's going to happen. This is all up in the air. A lot of this is unprecedented. I hate that term because everyone says everything is unprecedented these days, but it's true. Everything is unprecedented right now. You know, the economy should have crashed, you know, back when they started locking down the economy. And so far, it hasn't because they've been injecting trillions of dollars into every into businesses, into everyday people's hands. All over the economy, people are getting money constantly. You know, mortgage uh, payments are being deferred. There's a mortgage forbearance. There's the renter moratorium that's going on as well. A lot of, uh, of government intervention has kept this economy going more so than what naturally would have been allowed to. So the question is, is what's is it ever going to end? You know, where, where's it all going? And, and, and really nobody knows, but there is another theory out there that this hyperinflation or, or well, not really hyper, but th- this inflation, we're not really going to see this monetary devaluation. Okay. We're talking about prices rising. Um, uh, you know, I like to call that monetary devaluation, not inflation. Inflation is just an increase in the supply of money in an economy. That's all that is basically money printing. And then injecting it into the economy, circulating it. But, you know, when we're talking about prices rising, that's monetary devaluation. Now, some people will say it's price inflation and they'll make a distinction between monetary deflation and price inflation. I, I, I like to call it monetary devaluation because price and prices don't really inflate. They, they, ex, they basically, they rise and fall, but they don't expand and contract. Maybe it's an argument over semantics. I think it's a bit more than that, but regardless, it's, it's, it's neither here nor there. Okay. The fact of the matter is the, the economy is not on a good footing. It just isn't. It's, it's really, really bad right now. And really with all this money printing that's going out, what are the effects? And everyone's asking this question, what are the going to be the effects of this money? A lot of people say inflation. Uh, some people, you know, I don't know about you guys, but we've already seen prices rise. Fuel prices have been going up to a, to a certain extent. Not not like a massive amount, but they are up. You know, uh, when we when my wife and I go to the grocery store, you know, I mean, I know for a fact that the, the prices for the groceries, some items have gone up. I don't know if that's supply chain disruption still. I would kind of imagine that that would be over with at this point. And that it's probably more along the lines of, you know, just, just the symptom that's caused by inflation, right? You know, but, I, you know, here's the thing that is a red flag as to whether it's inflation or not, okay? If, if inflation is what's causing the prices rising, then the prices are not going to come down ever. In fact, they'll probably continue to go higher over time. If it's a, if it's an issue with maybe say you know a short term event like a hurricane preventing supplies you know disrupting the plot supply chain what you know some disruption in the you know basically the the warehouses manufacturing facilities again that would be more short term 
So that's kind of how you can you can look at this. That's a red flag. If the prices continue to stay higher, we can for sure we know that it's monetary devaluation caused by inflation. And that's what I think it is. But are we going to see this hyperinflation, this pent up demand? Well, there's a, a theory out there that is uh, saying, no, we're really not. So I wanted to go ahead and read these two articles for you guys today. It, one is a Tyler Durbin article from Zero Hedge and the other is an article from WolfStreet.com written by Wolf Richter. So let's go ahead and start off with the Zero Hedge article. So, we'll go crazy, drive the bear out of hibernation. The economy will go crazy this summer. There's not a day that goes by in which we do not hear an economic forecast with an extreme optimism based on pent-up demand. The argument certainly appears plausible and is widely subscribed to by professionals. To it, JP Morgan, we expect consumers to blow out expectations for the rest of the year. Per Business Insider, Goldman Sachs raised its forecast for 2021, U.S. gross domestic product growth to 6.8% from 6.6%. To help put context around whether the economy will go crazy, we focus on consumer spending habits during the lockdown and the financial means which drove those habits. If the go crazy scenario is correct, monetary velocity will rise and ignite a powder keg of money supply. Inflation could ramp up beyond levels that comfort the Fed and or markets. The optimistic forecast appears at first blush good for stocks. We make the case that this thesis may signal springtime for the hibernating bear. Is there pent up demand? Before we discuss the elephant slash bear in the room, let's consider the merits of the go-crazy thesis. How might consumer habits change when consumers are free to go anywhere and do anything? Retail sales, despite a severe recession, are 6% higher than in January 2020. Is spending pent up? To answer the question, we decompose retail sales into its sector components. As shown below, the variance in sales changes versus the prior year is significant. Not surprisingly, gas stations, restaurants and bars, and clothes, and electronic appliances stores had a tough year. However, the nine other economic sectors saw improvements in sales versus 2019. The highlighted box points to aggregate changes in retail sales. Now, it's referring to a chart, so you guys aren't really going to get a lot out of that. I'll include the link in the description below like I always do, so if you guys are interested, you can go and read it for yourself. We have little doubt the four sectors with declines will post more robust sales once consumers are comfortable returning to those establishments. There is no doubt pent-up demand will boost the sectors. Spending rotation versus more spending. Even if we assume the four sectors witness a pickup in business, we can also presume consumers will continue to spend freely in the sectors they were spending in last year. The questions below provide a few examples to help you answer the questions. Can non-store retailers continue to steal business from brick-and-mortar stores at last year's pace? Will consumers have a strong desire to buy outdoor sporting goods when they can be inside with friends and family again? If people eat out more and return to bars, will food and beverage stores sustain recent sales growth? With the ability to go to the movies, eat out, and go on vacation, for example, will people spend as much time working on their houses and gardens? The graph below provides perspective for the last question. As shown, sales of building materials and garden supplies are running well above historic norms. With more time to go crazy, people will likely have less time to work on their houses and gardens. We think it is likely this sector will run below average for some time. Our spending habits temporarily changed last year, but consumer spending in aggregate rose. Spending anomalies of last year will lead to new irregularities when the economy reopens. However, it's not clear in aggregate there is significant pent-up demand. To further consider if consumers will go crazy, we need to consider their financial means. Thank you, Uncle Sam. Direct checks from the government, transfer payments, forbearance of mortgage rent and student loan payments, generous unemployment benefits, and other assistance from the CARES Act significantly boosted incomes and therefore the ability to spend. As the charts below show, transfer 
transfer payments provided 31% more income than would have been the case without the stimulus. The boost to income is not permanent. As such, real disposable income is gravitating back to its prior trend. The bounty of stimulus significantly boosted the sales of all kinds of goods and services. Barring more stimulus, consumers will be left to spend within their means. Spending versus income. The currently elevated unemployment rate, historic weekly job law, jobless claimants, and stagnant wages are not supportive of a rash of spending this summer. That said, personal savings have increased and credit card debt has fallen over the last year. Despite weak income, consumers may spend down savings and increase debt loads to facilitate spending. The caveat being that consumers may continue on their frugal path if they are concerned with their job prospects. The wild card in this analysis is the federal government. More stimulus, especially direct checks to people, will boost consumption. January retail sales rose 6% on the back of the latest round of, of STEMI checks. Barring more massive stimulus directly to people, a jump in credit card usage, or a drawdown of savings, it's hard to make the case that consumers have the means and aggregate to go crazy. We do not rule out the go crazy thesis, but it's not the slam dunk it appears to be either. So uh, real quick, I was saying that not that long ago when I was giving my prediction of what I thought was going to happen was that there is a chance that because people are concerned about their jobs, people are not going to go back and start to be all crazy with their finances and start spending like they were before the crisis. Many people have lost their jobs. You know, I mean, there's a massive millions upon millions of people's jobs have been absolutely destroyed in this entire economy and, and situation, right? This economic situation. So frankly, there you really need to ask the question, are people going to continue to spend when their prospects for jobs are not looking so hot? You know, when they're afraid of stuff? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, what I can tell you is that I know for at least me and my wife, my wife did lose her job. And now she's got another job. And fortunately, she got it shortly thereafter losing it. But still, that we we were I was afraid of that happening. So we haven't been spending as much as we typically would in terms. Now, granted, we don't really use debt a lot. We, we typically use savings and, and whatnot. We, we avoid debt as much as we possibly can. But with that stated, still, we were reducing our consumption, increasing our savings. And we've been putting as much as we can into savings. You know, we've all, we already prioritize savings quite heavily. So we had a pretty nice, a, a nice nest egg and whatnot, not to brag or anything, but you know, we, we did, we, we did fairly decent. I'm, I'm very proud of us, but let's be honest, you know, okay. The fact remains is that there is a lot of uncertainty that's still out there. So I, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but we're still trying to hold off on our consumption and, you know, basically try to save as much as we can. We're holding off on really massive big purchases as, as much as we can. There have been some things that have, uh, you know, basically tied our hands behind our back. We had no choice, but, you know, still, yeah, I don't know about you, but we've reduced our spending because I don't know what's going to happen with the, the economic situation. It could not be very good. I don't know. So anyways, let's get back to the article. Fed denial. The problem with the go crazy thesis is inflation. Inflation has been tepid as the velocity of money has fallen sharply, offsetting the surge in money supply. If consumer spending increases rapidly, monetary velocity will increase, creating inflationary pressures. For more on the interplay of velocity and money supply, please read our article, The Fed's Inconvenient Truth. 
Again, I don't really believe in the uh, the velocity of money. I, I don't believe that that is a reason as to what what causes you know monetary devaluation, prices rising, things of that nature. I don't velocity of money is not some it is not something that I believe is uh, necessary. It's it's not a cause of prices rising. It is merely a symptom of the underlying disease, which which is increasing the the supply of money. But anyways, I digress. Let's go ahead and get back into it. If inflation were to spike due to a surge in economic activity, the pressure on the Fed to reduce quantitative easing and potentially discuss higher interest rates will rise. That said, the Fed will not back down easily. On February 10th, 2021, Powell stated, we've seen three decades of lower and more stable inflation. As the economy reopens, we may see a burst of spending, he says. Adding, again though, my expectation would be that will be neither large nor sustained. A week later, the Fed minutes echoed the sentiment as follows. Many participants stressed the importance of distinguishing between such one-time changes in relative prices and changes in the underlying trend for inflation, noting that changes in relative prices could temporarily raise measured inflation, but would be unlikely to have a lasting effect. If consumers go crazy, monetary velocity will increase. Couple that with the continuation of massive monetary stimulus and you have the ingredients for inflation. Whether said inflation is temporary or not, it's far from certain. What is likely more certain is that bond markets will not be pleased. Bond vigilantes. Bond yields have been rising consistently since August 2020. While yields are still very low, they are approaching levels that are becoming concerning to the equity markets. Since the Fed came in with bazookas blazing in March of 2020, equity markets have surged higher. In its wake are corporate earnings and economic growth, which have a lot to be desired. In other words, stock market gains are not supported by fundamentals. Excessive liquidity supports prices. Which in, in reality, that's actually where the vast majority of the, uh, you know, the, the inflated money supply, that's all that new money. That's actually where a lot of it's been going into stock buybacks, buying, you know, bonds, you're buying stocks, you know, investing in stocks, all that kind of stuff. That's where it's pretty much been going. So anyways, regardless of whether the Fed reacts to inflation or not, the markets will go increasingly uncomfortable with inflation. As such, expectations for the Fed to reduce quantitative easing will increase and the justification for current stock prices will erode. For a market riding high on the back of excessive monetary policy, a go-crazy situation might awaken the hibernating bear. Summary, as they say, be careful what you wish for. If consumers unleash inflationary pressures and more robust economic growth, monetary policy or even expectations for monetary policy will change. The the seemingly omnipotent Fed may find themselves cornered by rising interest rates, rising inflation expectations, and falling asset prices. They may have no option but to reverse the stimulus. Given the current egregious level of equity valuations, all investors should think deeply about what it would take for the Fed to take their foot off the monetary gas pedal, go crazy, might be the rationale. So that's what they had to say at, at Zero Hedge and whatnot. And ultimately, it's just, there, there really is no one, and again, I hate I hate to say it, nobody really knows what's going to happen, right? But, you know, it, it is there really a cause for concern here? Is there really, you know, a, a reason to be afraid that all of this money printing is going to come out, cause inflation, all this pent-up demand? Well, I, I, I don't know, but let's go ahead and, and, and hop right into the Wolf Street written by Wolf Richter, and the title is, Just Don't Expect Pent-Up Demand from Consumers, Here's Why. Give Americans some free money and tell them it's their duty to buy some stuff with it. Preferable stuff imported from other countries and they'll buy some stuff with it. Big and expensive stuff too. And they did buy a lot of stuff with it. More than they'd ever bought before. And their homes are full of stuff they bought in this 8-month long record rollicking free money spending spree. 
And it happened again in January. Free money from the stimulus payments kicked in and consumers further boosted their spending on goods from already high levels. In January, spending on durable goods spiked by a stunning 18.6% from a year ago, according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis today, to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $1.86 trillion. The spending spree has been going on since June. And spending on non-durable goods, which includes food, gasoline, whose prices have jumped recently, rose by 6.1% from a year ago to a record of $3.21 trillion annual rate. This is an entirely different scenario than what consumers went through in any prior crisis. During the financial crisis, consumers suddenly cut their purchases of durable goods and non-durable goods, which you can see in the charts above. Spending on durable goods plunged by 19% from the peak in October 2007 to the trough in April of 2009. This plunge in spending did create some pent-up demand during the recovery. Non-durable goods during the financial crisis dropped by 10% from the peak in July 2008 to the trough in March 2009. Some of this drop in spending had to do with the collapse in the price of gasoline and also the reduced driving because people were out of work. Prices of food and other items too fell for a few months during this time, which though welcome for by consumers caused a dip in the dollar spent on these items. This kind of drop in spending on non-durable goods creates only moderate pent-up demand, if any. But during the pandemic, the opposite happened. People got lots of free money from the stimulus and extra unemployment programs. The most recent $600 stimulus payments started showing up in consumers' bank accounts at the end of December and massively arrived in January. Income from wages and salaries in January at $9.7 trillion, a seasonally adjusted annual rate, was up 1.1% from a year ago. But income from unemployment benefits, the stimulus checks, and other government support payments exploded to $2.9 trillion, seasonally adjusted annual rate. Along with income from interest, dividends, rental properties, farm income, income from Social Security, and other transfer payments, total income in January altogether jumped by 13% from a year ago to a record $21.5 trillion. These stimulus payments made for a majestic free money-based overshoot. In addition to the free money, Millions of homeowners didn't have to make their mortgage payments because they'd entered their mortgages into forbearance programs. At one point, 4.3 million mortgages were in forbearance, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Currently, 2.6 million mortgages are still in forbearance. Federal student loans were automatically entered into forbearance programs, and borrowers didn't have to make payments. Eviction bans allowing strung-out households to spend some money on things other than rent. There was a huge boom across the financial markets, and those with assets fell a lot richer and might have spent spent more. And to top it off, a cash-out refinancing boom driven by record low mortgage rates and surging home prices turned homes once again into ATMs. All of these factors and others too contributed to the record amount of spending on durable and non-durable goods. And now people have this stuff around the house. Demand for consumer goods wasn't pent up. It was all let out. This time around, households didn't go through two years of cutting back on goods purchases as they'd done during the financial crisis. This time around, there is a shortage of supply, including the now infamous semiconductor shortage due to the surge in spending on goods and inventories are tight amid production snags and supply chain problems. And given this demand and the supply issues, prices of goods are rising. Consumers have been awash with this money they didn't need for to work for, and they paid down credit card debts with it, and they spent part of it on goods. Now, another stimulus package with more free money is being prepared in Congress. If it passes, which we we all know it did, more free money will rain on consumers over the next two or three months. What will come when this crisis settles down and when this free money fades is a scenario where consumers have bought all the goods they wanted to buy. That's the opposite of pent-up demand. Spending on services is still a drag. 
In the good times, services accounted for nearly 70% of consumer spending. Services include rents, mortgage interest payments, healthcare, education, insurance, hotel bookings, plane tickets, cell phone services, broadband, streaming services, the electricity bill, haircuts, plus a million other services. Spending on some of those services has boomed during the pandemic, but other services such as hotel bookings, tours, cruises, flights, tickets to ball games, or entertainment venues have gotten crushed, and total spending on services in January was still down. 5.3% 5.3% from a year ago and at 9.75 trillion has seen little improvement over the past 5 months. But when this crisis settles down and when the free money fades, how many adi- how many additional vacation trips are people going to take to make up for the 3 trips they missed? How many additional haircuts are they going to get to make up for the missed haircuts? How many additional ball games are they going to are they going to attend to make up for the ones they'd miss? Surely there will be some pent-up demand in services, but that's the issue with services. Unlike durable goods, they don't lend themselves to massive bouts of pent-up demand. And as the free money fades, consumers return to the customary zero-sum game. Money spent on services cannot also be spent on goods. What all this free money has accomplished is that it overstimulated spending on consumer goods. And once consumers can spend money on vacations and ball games again, I would expect their spending on goods to sag from the historically high levels, creating the opposite effect of pent-up demand for goods, while services, if lucky, might just wobble back to trend. And that's the end of that article as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, look, I can't tell you whether or what's really going to happen one way or the other. As I've said many times already in this episode, nobody really knows. Anyone who promises you that they they know what's going on is lying to you. Run to the hills. Run as fast as you can. Run fast. Run far, right? You know, the fact of the matter is that nobody really knows what's going to happen. And and we're not really going to know until we start to see it more play out in the economy. But what we do know is this, Okay. The economy is not doing well. People's jobs have been and lives have been decimated. There, there's 11 million people that could lose their homes, and that keeps getting you know deferred due to government regulation and well, government intervention. There has been a lot of money printing around that has been numbing the effects and the pain from this financial from this crisis caused by the lockdowns, caused by the very government that is now giving people money. However, where is it all going to go? What happens when the money stops being printed? What happens when the forbearances and the moratoriums are no longer continued? What happens when all the government intervention, all the government aid ends? You see, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I think. That's when I think we'll see another dip in the stock market. Right now, everyone's worried about inflation. Okay, uh, so there, the market has been kind of very volatile, right? And largely ever since the lockdowns, the the market has been volatile. But the fact remains is that there's still a massive amount of uncertainty with exactly how this is going to continue to play out. And while we don't know, we we, we can get some ideas based off what, what we know in economics, you know, what we know Austrian economics says about money printing and government intervention. We, we, we can get a sense of, of what we think is going to happen, but in the end, nobody knows for sure. So, you know, I, I think this is a very interesting theory. I think that once all the government aid stops, there is a good chance we're going to see another financial crash. We're, crash. we're going to see the, the financial consequences from the lockdowns 
we're going to start seeing a lot of that, you know, we're, and, and I think we're, I think it's going to be bad. I think it's going to be worse than 2008, but I would be very shocked and very surprised. And I would be more than willing to admit that I was wrong, even on this podcast, if it turns out that we never get a crash like 2008 or like if, if we never got a crash at all. Some people say the crash was back in March of last year. I think there's another one coming. All, it, but it all depends on when, when the government, you know, stops when they're going to stop all of this intervention that they've been engaging in. But that being said, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. You know, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I do think that there there's there's plausible, you know, cases that could be made for both the pent-up demand argument and for the argument that is against pent-up demand. Now, I do think that there, there is does seem to be a resounding theme here, that there will be some pent-up demand, you know, with regards to a lot of this stuff. But is there going to be as much of pent-up demand as what, you know, economists and people have been saying for quite, you know, for, for quite some time now? And, you know, again, you, you know, <laughs> coin, flip a coin in the air. We don't know yet. Okay, we don't know. It does appear like there is some inflation that's going on. Uh, so uh, it's one of those things where we just kind of have to, you know, more or less... Uh, you know, wait, wait and see. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much all I have to say on that subject. The The rest of the show, I, I really wanted to talk about something that has also been going on It's uh, and whatnot. And, you know, I've been surfing the web a lot, I've been on social media and stuff. You know, I'll be honest, I hate being on social media, okay? I'm trying to be on as many different platforms as I can. I don't subscribe to the notion that you don't have to be everywhere. I subscribe to the notion that it, it helps to be everywhere. You know, it really does. Now, it is it possible to be everywhere? I, I'm going to tell you, it's incredibly difficult. I cannot say that I have been everywhere on every platform and and I've been equally active on all those platforms. I can't say that that's been true for me. You know, I've been fairly active on Gab, on Parler, on Twitter. You know, I'm trying to get into Reddit, l- looking at some Reddit. I created a Reddit account. If you guys want to check me out there, it's Matthew Spaziti. You know, no spaces or anything else. You know, you could go follow me. I- I'm trying to post, you know, yeah, you know, I'm par- I'm, tr- I'm posting my stuff there as well now. And, you know, I'm on a lot of different places. If you want to actually check out where I'm at, you know, just go to, I don't think I've added the Reddit link there, but just go down to the follow me section. It's at the, it's at the end of every single episode that I do. I always post it there. It's a long list. I know eventually I'm just going to do a web page that has all the images and links there. So it's just follow Matthew, click on that. It takes it to the web page and you can find it all there. You know, that way I don't have to clutter the, the you know, the show notes page for the, the podcast and whatnot. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not there yet, but with that said though, you know, one thing I've been seeing a lot are, are people talking about taxes, taxation, right? And, you know, apparently Biden is planning a tax hike, you know, and, uh, well, they, frankly, this is something they've been talking about for a while. They, they basically said that this is something that they were going to do, but some people are saying it's going to be a really big tax hike and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of weigh in on that. I wanted to keep you guys informed. You know, they are planning a tax hike. Okay. This is true. So what are the tax hikes going to be? From from what I can tell, okay, they're probably going to do, you know, what they always do. They're going to tax, you know, high income earners because that's the bulk of who we tax in America today. We don't tax wealthy people with massive amounts of assets, right? You got lots of stocks, lots of bonds. If you got hundreds of millions of dollars in those assets, you know, real estate, we don't tax that nearly at the same level as we tax 
income. Income is the most heavily taxed thing in this whole country. The fact of the matter is that the super ultra wealthy, they don't have high incomes. They get paid in stocks. They throw their money into tax-free municipal bonds, right? They're always in favor of more government spending, particularly on the, on the local level. Because what they want is they want to invest on the tax-free municipal bonds. You know, if you got a municipal bond, you got $50 million, you could get a 4% return, and that 4% return, it's tax-free, it's guaranteed money. You know, if you got $50 million lying around, you know, why not? You know, if you're a big CEO or owner of a, a massive corporation, you get paid in stocks. You know, your income isn't very high in many of these companies. You get paid in stock options and then you make money off the dividends or you have money in bonds, not necessarily tax-free municipal bonds, maybe you have money in bonds elsewhere. You know, anyways, the point is we tax income in this nation, not wealth. Wealth, okay, is something that we don't tax. And this is why every time you hear like Elizabeth Warren getting out there saying, we need a tax on the ultra wealthy. We need a tax on wealth. And there is more of a, you know, I guess there is more momentum growing in this, but every single time it's, it's really gone nowhere. No one has, has, has basically supported it. No one has. Why? Because the, the, the people that have created the system, remember the oligarch that we've, that we've talked about, the oligarchy, right? The, the big corporations getting, getting in bed with big government. They pay the, the government to make laws and regulations that benefit them, right? We've talked about this many times. Well, these corp- a lot of these rich, wealthy people, including, you know, uh, politicians for that matter, they have a lot of wealth. They have a lot of assets, that are all taxed at a much lower rate. If you've got a, you know, a stock, for example, all right, and you hold that stock for over a year and you're making money off the dividends, it's only taxed at like 15%. I think maybe, tw- I think it's 15. Uh, I was going to say maybe it was 20, but I'm pretty sure it's only taxed at like 15%. Whereas, so if you're super ultra wealthy and you've got millions upon millions of dollars and you're making tons of money in dividend payments, right? You're making six figures, well over six figures, maybe millions of dollars in dividend payments. That's only 15%. And if you incorporate and if you, if you give your money to the corporate, if you give, if you, you know, house all your assets under the corporation, you can probably reduce your taxes even more so, although I'm not a tax expert on that end. So uh, don't trust what I'm saying is hardcore facts, go go actually talk to a, a tax expert. But, you know, you get the idea though, right? I've heard some people say that through incorporation, they've been able to reduce their taxes exponentially, like ridiculously low. Some people joke around that it's practically zero. I, I doubt that, but that's what they joke around about sometimes. But anyways, with that being said, they're planning to raise taxes on the wealthy, on, the, on high income earners. What's this going to do? It's going to reduce jobs. It's going to reduce jobs, reduce wages. It's going to depress growth. When anytime you start stealing more people's money, a lot of people are, you know, it makes it harder for people to move into the rung of the ultra wealthy, which is what a lot of people are doing. The very people they're going to probably be raising taxes on, the, the rich and the wealthy, you know, or, you know, first and foremost, they always claim that this is all, this is going to hurt the little guy. It's not going to hurt the average day middle class person. No, no, it's only going to hurt the rich and the wealthy. Well, you're a freaking idiot because guess what? When taxes go up, they start cutting jobs, right? I, you know, I, that's what happens. 
it does hurt other people. You might as well say the tax is not on the rich and wealthy. The tax is on you know, everyday people because your job might get cut because of this. You know, here, here's a quote from from an article. I'm not going to read the, the entire article because I've already read two articles the, the, this episode. But here's a quote from the ta- – uh, this is a, a Zero Hedge article, a Tyler Durbin Zero Hedge article and whatnot. And anyways, I'm just going to uh, fast forward to this one section. It says, the Tax Foundation said in a new report released February 24th that the Biden administration's plans to hike the tax rate for corporations would eliminate 159,000 jobs, depress wages by – 0.7% and reduce long-run economic output by 0.8%. A more modest corporate tax increase to 25% would lead to 84,200 job losses, see wages fall by 0.4%, and squeeze gross domestic product by 0.4%, the report found. You see, what they really want is they want to raise the corporate tax rate to 28% from the current 21%, which was the level that the Trump administration brought it down to from 35%. Ladies and gentlemen, look, this is what the situation is. And it's not for all the money printing that they've already engaged in. No, 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 no. It's for more stuff they want to do. Infrastructure spending, right? Biden's climate ch- you know, climate change initiatives, healthcare and economic inequality. That's what they're saying that this tax hike is going to be. And, there, and many people are saying that it could be the biggest federal tax hikes since 1993. Pretty crazy, huh? And this, at a time... When you got millions upon millions of people unemployed, this at a time when you decided to steal from the American public and tell them that you are not allowed to work, you have to stay home. And if you are unfortunate enough to be one of the individuals that couldn't work from home because you got a manual labor job or something, that's right. Well, too bad. Sucks to be you. Yeah, we'll send you a check for 600 bucks later down the road. Yeah, we'll send you, I think if you added up all the money, I think it was, um, it kind of depended on how many family members you had, you know, in your family and whatnot. If you were like, gosh, I don't know if, if it was you and let's say you're married, let's say, you know, husband and wife, right? I think the last one, it was like 1200 bucks each. That's $2,400. Then it was $600 each for another $1,200, something around those lines. You know, it's close to 5,800 bucks, right? 58, $5,800. That's what that is. All right. It's not really that much money in the grand scheme of things. Not enough to make up for the fact that you forced people to stay home in the name of their safety, in the name of their health. Why don't you let other people figure out what's good for them or not? What right do you have to start telling people what is good for them and what isn't? It's ridiculous. Makes me angry. So much stuff just... ah. So much, but anyways, look, uh, we're, we're, we're getting, I'm sorry. I, I get, I get down the rabbit hole a lot with that kind of stuff. I get very, very passionate. I just, I, it makes me angry. It really does. Uh, if you couldn't tell, you know, it just, it infuriates me, but let's be all, let's all be honest. All right. In the end, we will persevere and we will make it through it. Right. In the end, we'll find a way life will move on. No matter how many curveballs they throw at us, we will find a way because we're winners, right? And what have I always said on the show? Winners win, all right? This is something I stole from one of my mentors. He had a story about winners winning and all that kind of stuff. And (laughs) anyways, and the story in a nutshell basically went that I don't care what the government's going to do. 
Because winners win no matter what. They find a way to win. They don't, you know, whine and cry about the problems that, that are going on. Or, you know, maybe they do. But in, in the end, they'd say, all right, I've done my, I've done my grieving. I've done my, you know, whining and crying. Now I'm going to get back to work. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make sure that no matter what these idiots try to do to me, I, they can't touch me. I'm good. I'm golden. I'm better than good. Right? And that's, that's what we're going to do. If you're here at this show, first and foremost, congratulations. <laughs> you know, you have found an amazing show that's going to ch- change your life. That might sound crazy to say, you know, if you're just joining me for the first time, you know, maybe that sounds arrogant. Okay. You know, I, I, I don't mean it to sound that way. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but... I'm just trying to say, I think that if you're here, you're going to get educated on a lot of things. You're going to be, you know, just, you're going to be more educated than the vast majority of people on this planet. I, I, I truly believe that. You want to know why? Because a lot of the information that, that, that I'm talking about, a lot of the stuff that I talk about, it, it's, it's not something that you're taught in school. It's not something you're taught in, whether it's middle school, high school, you know, college, you're definitely not elementary, you know, it does, you know, all of this stuff is not taught. It it just isn't, you know, and a lot of times if you're coming from a conservative background, you're pro America and nothing America does or nothing Republicans do is bad. And if you're, if you're from the left side of the, uh, of the spectrum, you're like, you're, you're, Probably not so much pro-America. You might be, but again, nothing the Democrats do. And they're just constantly fighting and bickering amongst themselves. Biggest waste of time. But the truth is, is that if you're here, we focus while we talk about things that are going to affect you, whether that's the economy, inflation, taxes, in the end, and I know I get passionate about it, right? But in the end... We focus on things that are going to move the needle, that are going to help us make money, that are going to help us to become independent by controlling the source of our income. That's what we do. That's what we focus on. Now, sometimes we do get into the the, uh, political philosophy. You know, I'm a monarchist, which is, uh, you know, probably weird to hear for many of you. You know, many of you have grown up in republics and democracies. Most of you probably would not even consider the idea of, you know, monarchy, but yeah, and I didn't for a long time. For the majority of my life, I didn't either. But the fact is, is as I see it, if you have to have a government, and I believe that you do, a government is going to exist one way or the other. You know, whether we like it or not, there's always going to be some form of government. You might as well have a, a, a government that is privately owned. Because as we all know, something that's privately owned is better than publicly owned. You know, that way you don't have the tragedy of the commons where everyone abuses it because no one has to take responsibility. Nobody really owns it. But I digress. Sometimes I like to talk about monarchy. But with that said, though, look, here's what we can do, okay? Regardless of how this all all works out, regardless of what happens in the economy, you might be one of the lucky few who makes it and still works for somebody else, all right? But the fact of the matter is, what about the next time? What about the next one? And then the one after that, and then the one after that. Eventually, you will get bit. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, I know this to be true. A long time ago, I lived through an eviction. All right? 
I was, my wife and I, we were newlyweds. We were living with some friends trying to get on our feet. And eventually, you know, the, the, the friends we were living with, the husband got laid off. He got, he got laid off and he had to, he was able to get another job back, but he didn't pay as much, you know, all the, all, all those details. Over the years, they, they, they tried and tried and tried to make things work. And eventually it just, it all hit the fan. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we were living towards the front of the house all of our stuff was in this, uh, basically they had this, uh, you know, they had a big house, frankly, it wasn't a small house, but they had this, uh, you know, uh, a di- a formal dining room and a formal living room. Okay. Yeah. Just to give you uh, an idea. I mean, this is a house big enough to have a formal dining room and formal living room. Okay. N- not all that uncommon in Texas, but they were pretty largely sized. This was a very big home. These were high up there. They're making, they're a six figure family, pretty big house, pretty good life. And then when it all came and hit the fan, we were all out on the the curb. All of our stuff. Basically what they did was they had uh, some contract, they had some people come, they they went and got help from a labor yard nearby. The, the, I think think the sheriff came, sheriff didn't lift a finger. He was just talking with the other, with, 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 uh, I think there was two sheriffs there or whatever, two police officers. They didn't lift a finger. I, I don't necessarily blame them how awkward it must be. I mean, it's got to be a terrible part of their job. I, I can't imagine how they would ever have that job unless they're just awful people. That's got to weigh on them heavily, but it's their job. It's what they got to do. But the truth is, is that, you know, they didn't care about the stuff, you know, whether it was a keepsake or not, they didn't care. They came in. They took everything, they put it in trash bags for what were things that they could, and they emptied it out within a few hours. Everything was on, was on the yard, whether that's the front yard or the backyard. Because my wife and I were living in the front of the house, our stuff was out on the front yard. Everything we owned, and we were newlyweds. I don't, I don't even know if we'd been married for a year yet. It was, it was bad. It was incredibly painful to see our friends go through that. Uh, it, it's still painful to think about it to this day. There was even a freaking neighbor. Can you believe this? A freaking neighbor who drove by and was like, oh, wh- what happened? Oh, I'm so sorry. And then drove off. Didn't even bother to, to offer a uh, you know, hand. Nothing. I, I don't even know why you bother driving by at that point, right? It's crazy. It was very painful. All right. And I know, you know, we were just living there. It's not like it happened to my credit score. It's not like it happened to my finances and stuff, but I, it doesn't matter. When someone forces you to leave your home or at least to leave a home that you'd been living in for a while. I mean, this was our friend's home, but my wife and I had been living there for a bit. You know, when that happens, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's painful. Your bed your furniture, your dresser, your TV, your media center, your safe with all your valuable documents, whether that's, you know, your social security cards, pictures of family members. I don't know if I can, if I'm doing a good job explaining how painful it really was. Okay. It's not something I want you to go through. It's not something that I want anybody to go through. Sure as heck isn't something I want to go through ever again. But the fact is, is, is that, you know what? There's lots of people who do. I was unfortunately one of them, but you know what? It opened my eyes and it was really a blessing in disguise 
The suffering taught me a lot. It allowed me to have an open mindset when it came to entrepreneurship, making money, things of that nature. So ladies and gentlemen, look, you know, if you are one of the lucky few who maintained your job and didn't go through a lot of hard times, that's great. But ask yourself the question, how many times are you going to flip that coin? It's going to happen again. You're fooling yourself if you think that these crashes, these economic calamities, I'm not trying to say they're going to lock down again. Yeah, I don't know, but still, financial crisis happens all the time. And it's happening more and more and more so. So what are you going to do? There's only one thing to do. If you ask me, there's only one thing. Take control over the source of your income. I don't care what that mean, what that means for you. You want to get into blogging? Go ahead. Get into blogging. There's plenty of free websites. You could go to, you know, weebly.com, you know, you could create a blog that way, you know, you could go to medium.com there. Uh, Weebly is more of a website builder, but you can you don't have to pay for it, right? They'll host it for free if you just do it whatever your website is .weebly.com. There there's plenty of websites that are like that out there. You got medium.com. They're just a blog. It's not like an at your website, but it's it's a blog. Okay, a blogging place. I think there's another one like bloggers.com or blogspot.com or something like that. Again, another blogging website. Heck, you could even just be on social media. You you don't even have to have, a, if you want to do a website, you don't even have to have a website that has multiple pages. You could just have one page. I've seen people do that. You want to get into YouTube? You don't even need a website. You know, you got odyssey.com. You've got YouTube. You got Rumble, BitChute. They can host, they'll host all your videos for free, right? You can create you can create videos, whether educational videos, videos on things that you're interested in, gaming, gardening, working on cars, you know, guns. If you're into guns, you love to shoot guns. That's great. Go, you know, make videos on it. Assuming you got land and you can legally do that. I don't care what it is that you, that you got to do, but ladies and gentlemen, do you need to do something? For me, my favorite method is forex trading. Okay, I've talked about it many times on the show. I'm in the process of back testing. I've, I'm seeing good results. I'm getting very, very excited about it. One of the reasons, like I mentioned at the beginning of this show, that I'm, why I'm not actually doing two episodes a week is because I'm using the rest of my week after I'm done editing to back test. And it's it's a way that I'm going to be able to make money regardless of job situations, regardless of whether or not people are buying my products. Building a business takes a long time. It's not a super fast thing, but it is worth it in every, every sense. Just got to be careful not to do too much because if you, if you have no life, then what was the point, right? You, you, there needs to be a balance. But ladies and gentlemen, that's how you get out of this. That's how you prepare for this kind of stuff. You start working on you. You start working on your business. Don't sacrifice family, but work on it when you can. Work, try, make time, stay up late if you have to. Maybe, maybe not every single night because you're going to burn the candles on both ends at that point, but maybe pick out a night or two where you stay up till 2 a.m. in the morning. When your wife or, or husband or kids are down asleep, that's a great way to do it. I know it sucks. Nobody wants to stay up that long, but hey, you know what? We've all stayed up that long for frivolous things. I've done it for playing video games. I've done it for watching movies. <laughs> you know what? It's it's it, it's nice to know you're doing it for productive reasons sometimes. 
Maybe you wake up extremely early in the morning. I don't know. I don't know what you got to do. But do something. Please do something. All right? Get out there and find a way to become financially free. Take control over the source of your income. If you want to do Forex trading, I've got some Forex videos that I've produced. You know, Go check me out on YouTube. I've got a lot of good educational content there. There's a lot of stuff, and there's plenty of other people. And if you don't want to learn from me, then that's fine. Go find someone else. I can't teach everything, right? I can't, I can't do it all. I'm not Superman. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. But look, all right? The fact of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, is that these crises are, are going to continue. Whether we make it through this one or not, you know, if we do, that's great. But that doesn't mean we should just st not care anymore. And frankly, we're not out of the weeds yet. We, we don't even know quite the extent of the economic damage and, and what. Now, with all the money printing, that just slows economic growth. If they're going to increase taxes, it's just going to slow the recovery even more. Like I said in the last episode, we're not seeing a V-shaped recovery, ladies and gentlemen. That's just not going to happen. But we will eventually recover at some point. But who knows how long that's going to take. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope it was very educational. I hope that you guys understand what we're dealing with. You know, I hope I'm providing the information that you guys need in order to, you know, continue to plan ahead. L look towards the future. It, you decrease your time preference, right? Look towards the future. Have a, more, a longer time horizon. Start thinking about investing. Start thinking about maybe trading, starting a business, because when you start to control the source of your income, ladies and gentlemen, and it takes a while, okay, it's not a fast process, but when you do, you will have more freedom, more flexibility to live your life the way that you want and to not have to worry about all the garbage that's going on. Things get bad in your country, wherever you are, you just, heck, you up and leave. You just go somewhere else, you know? Your country is not the best country that has ever existed in this world. America's not. The UK is not. Russia's not. I don't care where you live. Your country is not the best. Right? There are countries out there that are better. That respect your money. That value your money and your wealth. And want to attract you to them. There's a lot of economic freedom. There's a lot of personal freedoms there. So, ladies and gentlemen, there is, I, I believe that there is grass greener on the other side. I am not one of those right-wingers who believe that there is nothing better than America. No, I believe there are, there is better than America out there. There's something, there's a country, there are countries that are out there that are better than America. Maybe not 100% in every single way, but yeah, overall. Right? So, that's my opinion. Get started. It's going to take you a while. Get started today. And if you keep coming back here, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to, we, we will be producing courses. I will be teaching you guys how you can do it, how you can get started. And yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to be taking, like I said, I'm taking you on my journey. Okay. You guys are getting to see the difficulties I'm talking about. It. I'm telling you guys. Now, I know I tend to talk about economics and things of that nature a bit more than I talk about my journey, but we do talk about it, right? I'm in the, you want to know what I'm doing right now? Backtesting. That's what I'm doing. Backtesting on the Forex market. I've got like 
10 currency pairs that I'm testing right now, I'm back testing. It's what I'm doing. I'm building up my savings, building up my investments, right? I'm, I'm reducing debt, managing my finances well or as best that I can. I'm never going to manage them perfectly. Neither are you. So give yourself some grace. But that's what, that's what I'm doing. And I would encourage you heavily to do the same thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you like that this message, then please do me a couple of things. First, go to iTunes and leave me a rating review. It helps us to get on map. It helps us to get on the rankings, okay? If when, when we have rating reviews on iTunes, then they we can start getting on rankings and be more visible. So if you like this message, you want to help me to continue to promote this message, like you want to help me to spread it, which I think financial freedom and living this whole liberty lifestyle of being independent from as many things as you possibly can, I believe that's a very valuable message. If you do, then please leave me a rating review. And if you, again, if you like what the message, also consider, uh, you know, sharing the show. It's probably one of the most important things that you guys can do, probably more important than leaving a rating review, right? But I mean, they're both very, very important, but you know, if you, if you love this message and you think, and you're getting a lot of value out of it, if it's changing your life, if it's contributing to that in any which way, shape or form, and you're loving this and you're coming back every week, please, even if you've already shared, just continue, continue to share wherever you are on whatever platform you are. If you, if you know someone in your life that would get value out of it, share the show, introduce them to the show. And the last thing you, that you guys can do, again, if you're loving this, make sure to come back each and every week. If there is no higher compliment than when you guys come back here each and every week and you're listening to the show. It, it really makes me feel amazing. You guys, you're, you're willing to take time out of your day to listen to, to me, right? I, I don't know about you. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. I love it. So if you guys, so, so you know, continue, come back every single week. Every week, if you want to know what's going to happen in the future, you come and you listen to the show today. And I'm going to try to keep you guys informed. I'm going to try to help you guys on your journeys by telling by, by telling you what's happening in mine, the pitfalls, the, the ups and the downs, and all of that. We're going to do life together in so many ways. Not every way, right? We're not talking about relationships and things like that of that nature. But heck, I can talk about whatever the heck I want, right? But we are going to live lives that others envy. We're going to live amazing lives. life Lives of true freedom and prosperity. But it takes a lot of work, right? And it, you're not going to do it on your own. So keep coming in here every single week. And if you guys will do all of that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, have a great day.